0: the way out podcast episode 197
1: my parents they were really hard working people we worked in the aerospace industry and they did everything they could to give us a great life i grew up the oldest of three so i had a lot of responsibilities my parents worked a lot of long hours mm. and i was always the one that that took the responsibility and uh and, and took care of my brother and my sister I had a paper route growing up and I was always like motivated to be successful, but I always wanted the the attention, the notoriety, I guess, and uh, to have, like I had my paper route, I had money, I was 10 years old, 12 years old, I got my first brush with the law and uh, decided to do a little joyriding with some friends in junior high school and that's the first time that that my parents got the phone call at 2 in the morning. that I was in the back of the police car already 12 years old. Wow, we we were the most popular kids in school because it got around We, what happened. And that feeling just stayed with me. I I felt pretty awesome. The first time was with um, some buddies. We were after a football game and and, uh, we had a six pack with Mickey's Big Mouth. And I remember drinking that and I drank it so fast and then I had this awesome feeling. And next thing I knew that that malt liquor took effect and and it was on. I started drinking again after work and uh, eight in the morning and one day I just found myself you know, I'm looking for uh, the areas that I, I recognize as areas that sold drugs and stopped people and found some cocaine. And by this time I was engaged to be married with uh, with plans. All the plans were being made for the wedding. And uh, next thing I know, I'm lost. I, she came home from work early, and I was smoking it and getting high, and I jumped off the second-floor balcony to get away, and she drove to the bank, closed the account, but I, I had been able to get to one branch to take what I could out, and I was on the run for two weeks, um, living in motels and sometimes not even sleeping for a while. I ended up crashing my car and, and totaling it, and still I walked away from that and, and, and kept going up until finally I ended up in jail um, again. When I got arrested in 2005, Charlie, I, I told myself something has to change today. I'm mm-hmm. going away. I don't have anything. I may not ever see my parents again. I, I didn't live a, a fruitful life. So what can I do today? get different results tomorrow because you know the same if you keep trying to get different results from doing on the same thing it's insanity so at that point I decided that was my gift of desperation at that time because I've never had to do so much time and then I was only getting older and I've seen people in prison that don't have anyone when they get older because everyone just cut ties with them you because you're a total loss yeah and uh, I didn't want to be in that situation. So I started making a plan. And what am I going to do when I get out? I felt awesome. I was able to, to be there for the people that needed me to be there. Uh, and my mom and dad were able to see this change in me. At this time, even my brother and sister, who pretty much had given up on me, I was back there behind the dumpsters with everyone else smoking and stuff and even passing out back there. And, and, and I find myself running a, a company um, by the grace of God. So I have a family, bought a house and everything. Don't give up. Don't ever give up. There's there's hope. There's hope because you, as long as you have the desire and, and you have the desire to change and you really have the willingness, there's hope. And if you're not strong enough, find somebody that has done it. And do exactly what they did and, 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 and hang out with those types of people
0: welcome way out faithful and first timers to this week's installment of the way out podcast we appreciate your ears our mission is simple to bring you powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics so you can jump start or re-energize your recovery from alcoholism and addiction The Way Out Podcast does not speak on behalf of, nor are we affiliated with any 12-step organization. The Way Out Podcast partners with All Recovery Rings and AllRecoveryRings.com, where you'll find stunning recovery rings made from your very own recovery coin. That's AllRecoveryRings.com. The Way Out Podcast is a proud supporter of Transitions Daily. Would you like to join a free, anonymous online group that offers a daily topic email with popular recovery resources accompanied by a secret facebook group for discussion go to dailyaaemails.com for more information about transitions daily don't forget to share dailyaaemails.com with friends in meetings and with sponsees in recovery Make sure to check us out on the web at www.wayoutcast.com. There you can subscribe to ensure you get the latest episodes first on iTunes, iHeartRadio, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. Help us recover out loud by giving us a five-star rating and review on your favorite podcast app. Your voice matters, so share your thoughts on recovery with us by calling us at 218-382-1960 or leaving a message with us on the Anchor app, available for Android and Apple. Every week, we'll be asking for your thoughts on next week's topic. Someone, somewhere, needs to hear your share. Finally, a word of caution This podcast may contain strong language and mature content. Listener discretion is advised. The Way Out Podcast is on right now. I'm Charlie, and in this edition of The Way Out, I'm honored to bring you a terrific interview with a loyal listener and now aspiring recovery podcaster, Ray Corona III. Ray's story is loaded with adversity, As he quite literally takes us from being homeless and getting high behind a parking lot trash dumpster all the way to nearly two decades of sobriety with a loving wife and family and even running a company above all this is a story that proves to us once again that no matter how far down the scale we've gone our experience can indeed benefit others I sincerely believe there's magic in Ray's story that will provide hope and change for many here on this podcast and in his own podcasting adventures. There's true spiritual power in all of our stories because we see ourselves in them, because they give us real hope, hope that we too can recover, proof that we too can change if we're willing. To that end, and without further ado, I give you Mr. Ray Corona III. So listen up. Ray Corona III, thank you so much for taking time out of your busy schedule to join us here on the Way Out podcast and share your experience, strength, and hope with our listeners. I'm excited for a number of reasons. First and foremost, you want to be And you've got designs to be a recovery podcast host yourself and host your own deal, which I think is so cool. And I'm super excited to talk about that. We'll talk about that a little bit later. But first, why don't you introduce yourself to the Way Out podcast listening audience? Tell us how long you've been sober and a little bit about yourself. And then we'll jump into your story
1: all right thank you charlie appreciate it and thank you for inviting me to the way out podcast um i think this is a great opportunity to to reach people you're doing a great thing here and um i'm well my name is ray corona uh, and I'm the third uh i've been sober now it'll be 15 years october the second of this year um, and it's been quite the ride I You're coming
0: up on 15 years of continuous sobriety.
1: October 2nd, 2005. And that that, was, that, was that it. is
0: tremendous. That is absolutely tremendous. You <laughs> know this. That ain't by accident.
1: No way by accident. I could never do it by myself. So I could I could never do it on my own, and uh, it, it took a long time for me to get to that point. Uh, and uh, fortunately um my mom who just passed away last year was able to to see the the improvements that i've made in my life um since uh 2005 all the way until last year when she passed away and uh that was pretty awesome
0: that's beautiful that's absolutely beautiful let's talk a little bit about where you grew up and what it was like growing up
1: okay so i'm originally from san diego california grew up there for the first nine ten years of my life and uh and we moved to um, Claremont, California, which is a suburb east of Los Angeles. Mm. Um, it's a really nice place to live. Uh, my parents, they were really hardworking people. They worked in the aerospace industry. And um, they they did everything they could to give us a great life. Um, I i grew up the oldest of three. So I had a lot of responsibility because my parents worked a lot of long hours. Mm. And I was always the one that, that took the responsibility and uh and and took care of my brother and my sister. I had a paper route growing up, and I was always, like, motivated to be, you know, uh, to be successful, but I always wanted the the attention, the the notoriety, I guess, and uh, to have, like, I had my paper route, I had money, I was 10 years old, 12 years old, I got my first brush with the law, and uh, decided to do a little joyriding with some friends in junior high school, and that's the first time that, that my parents got the phone call at two in the morning that, that I was in the back of the police car already at twelve years old.
0: At twelve years old, at you had you had your inaugural
1: inaugural, <laughs>
0: inaugural uh, assisted ride home by a police officer, huh?
1: right? And, uh, <laughs> and you know that that I know just. It just blew my my parents' mind because I was always a great kid growing mm-hmm. up. Twelve so mm-hmm. year old kid that you know, I was doing well in school, but um, the next day after that happened, I mean, my dad didn't say anything to me that night um, or that morning when I when he brought me home, and and then uh, I went to school, and wow, we we were the most popular kids in school because he got around and we what happened, and that feeling just stayed with me. That I, I felt pretty awesome.
0: Um, so you became you became a star You yeah. became a star <laughs> In school Because you got busted by the cops yeah. And you were kind of a big deal Right? Kind of was, a Kind of a badass Yeah,
1: a little bit of a badass at 12 years old Yeah And uh, that feeling just stayed with me throughout the years I, I went um, Through high school um, In high school I started drinking And with some friends And we ended up finding a, one of those drive-through dairies where you just go pull, pull up your car and uh, and they come out to your car door and they was serve us beer.
0: Yeah, like a drive-in,
1: right? Well, it's like a liquor store drive-through. Got it. And so they would sell sell us beer, and so we started. I started being able to double my money and sell the beer. <laughs> right. So, right. Already
0: an enterprising young man and yeah. uh, fr- starting with the paper route and now <laughs> identifying opportunities to capitalize, right?
1: Right. So, so, but I never, never did anything other than drink in high school. I remember one time we were at a high school dance and my brother, who's two years younger than me, uh, I walked. he was at the dance also. But when, I, when I went into the gym, people were telling me that my brother was in the bathroom smoking smoking weed, and I just flew through the roof. I went in the the restroom and just asked you know, where's the at? I found him, and I had a moment with him. I was like really upset that he was ruining his life, and uh, I made a scene, but the tables turned a few years later, and I ended up being the one that had the problem. You know, my brother still to this day is doing well in his life and never had any issues. Like the issues that I had. And
0: Do you so remember, Ray, the first time you drank? Was that a memorable experience for you? Was it like a, a, a really visceral, freeing yeah. experience for you? Or was it sort of like, oh, good, but not great? What was it like for you?
1: Well, the first time was with um, some buddies. We were after a football game and and uh, we had a six-pack of Mickey's Big Mouth. And I remember drinking that, and it, I drank it so fast, and I had this awesome feeling. And next thing I knew, that, that malt liquor took effect, and, and it was on. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But, but it was, yeah, I'll never forget that. And from that moment on, with the last name like Corona, um, <laughs> you know, and, then, and then we had a friend named Miller, so, whenever we showed up, it was Corona and Miller here.
0: <laughs> oh, man, that would never get old. So, um,
1: after high school, I, I I got a job at a grocery store um, as a box boy. And within a couple months, I started working on the night shift. And the night shift, um, back then, the stores would close. This is in the um, mid-'80s. Um, the stores closed at ten thirty, eleven o'clock all night until 7. And so... The night crew, uh, I was going to junior college in the, in the day. And so working nights, those guys were rowdy. There's five or six guys that worked at nights. And and they started bringing out some lines. And, uh, and they even took down the picture of the manager's picture off the courtesy booth. And they did it on the manager's picture. And then after work, buying beers and hanging out behind the store drinking a case of beer. And, mm. and I got suckered into that situation and, and uh stopped going to school and and, and got caught up you yeah. know, doing that. And, and one day I was driving home from work in, in the morning and uh, one of my neighbors who I I knew from the school was out front and he weighed me down. He said, hey, there's two girls and that day. my mom's at work. I have two girls over here, why don't you come over? And so I did, I, I went over and uh, they were smoking cocaine. And I had no idea. I mean, to that point, I only did all, all I did was drink beer and, and, and it was getting out of control too, but not, and, and do lines, but I never saw crack cocaine. And so, um, I went in there and, uh, I tried it and that, that took me to a different place. Mm. Um, I, I wanted to know where they can get some more immediately. And I had money in the bank. And so all of a sudden I was going back and forth. Um, to, to purchase it, and and uh, it was it was uh, nonstop. I mean, I was able to go eventually on my own and do it by myself, and didn't need them anymore. Mm. And so um, I started, you know, buying that and, and not going to work. And eventually, I lost my job, and and, uh, and so that led to. Uh, the addiction was getting stronger and that led to me taking things from my parents' home.
0: Mm. And how old were you at this point?
1: I was probably 21, 20, Mm -hmm. 21 years old. Mm -hmm. Um, And so um, little by little, I was just going down the drain. Uh, Eventually one day I came home from being out there on on the streets for about a week. And um, I had taken, I think the VCR from my parents' home and, When I finally went back to their house, my dad was home, and he told me, you know, go take a shower. And so I went and took a shower, and when I came out, I heard the police radios, and uh, there was, the the police were in the house, and they arrested me. My parents called the police on me, and uh, they took me to to jail. And so um, I ended up visiting the Los Angeles County Jail, um, going through that whole process, which was a nightmare because I to that day I had never been involved in that type of a life and that I never n- never thought about the consequences but now I, I went to the county jail and, uh, and what was going
0: out. through your head at that point when you realized that your parents called the police on you you got arrested and you were headed to county Joe what was going through your head at that moment well
1: well when the cops walked me out of the house I, I felt like I wanted to spit on my dad I was so mm-hmm. I had so much hate inside that I can't believe you're doing this to mm-hmm. me why are you why don't you try to help me mm-hmm. instead of calling the cops and, and ruining my life because mm-hmm. I'm thinking only about me right mm-hmm. and so um I I just was full of hate and, and i I, did, I you know I didn't realize that it was my I'm the reason why this has happened at this point mm-hmm. in my I was so new to what was going to happen the the consequences is that I just was pointing the finger at them and why didn't you help me? If you see I'm hurting, why don't you help me and uh my dad said, this is the only way that we know how we can help you
0: hmm. Hmm. I can so-, so intimately identify with that. In my own story, that hate and that righteous indignation when somebody had the balls to hold me accountable for my actions, right? The audacity to hold me accountable for my own actions. It really did feel like they were out to get me, that they were attacking me, that they were trying to ruin my life, why don't you help me, why don't you, so, you know, and and, and the consequences felt extraordinarily um, um, difficult and it felt like I was being punished, right?
1: Right, right, and and, I mean, don't you love me? Why are you, don't you know that with a a record I won't be able to get a job thinking only about me? Right. And, right and so they didn't know how to help me um that's why they did what they did and and so i went through the system and and just you know los angeles county jail is, is one of the worst in the country uh i went through that process and then i got out um, and uh and when i got out i you know a whole bunch of people at the same time and like Oh, we're gonna buy a beer do all that stuff so immediately you know like that's a tradition to go buy a 40 or something so we went about a 40 <laughs> and i was off and running again because once i got that 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 liquor in my body i i mean in my system i was ready to to do this again plus now i had this chip on so I, I mean i felt Heck like yeah i just went through los angeles County jail i'm I'm the shit now, right? right. <laughs> and so right. I'm walking down the street, the bus dropped me off in the worst part of Polona, of California, you know, where where um, where all this stuff's happening. They dropped me off there and now I'm thinking I'm all that. And I go right back to it. And even though I, you know, I, most people, I don't know, most people would, wouldn't do that, but when you have a disease like this one, um, it, it just drove me right back into the heart of the madness and and I didn't go home for like three or four days after I was released, and so I didn't ever show up for my probation. And it was just like this on and on. And I had a girlfriend at the time that was uh, she was awesome. We we had a great relationship before I started doing this, and it was all but she was uh, she was the type that let things, she wasn't very like as strict about me drinking or not, she she didn't know how to help me either. Mm-hmm. And so when she found out I was doing cocaine, she would tell me, look, when you have the urge to do cocaine, l- let's go buy a whole bunch of beers so that you don't have the urge. Yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> and so I'm like, oh, okay, that sounds good. You know? So knowing it, it, that that's just going to be the vehicle that I need to get to the next, um, the next high. So she would, um, she would support me and not, she would, she was thinking she was helping me, but she
0: really was. But she was really enabling you, but she didn't know that. She was such an enabler, right? And,
1: and, you know, bless her heart. She's, she's, um, we're still in communication these days. We're still friends, but, um, through, 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 um, social media only. But, uh, we, I don't know, it was just one of those things where I, I've always had this like been a little bit more street smart than most. And I think that only made things worse for me, especially in my family. Um, In my mom and dad's household where I was pretty much always lots, lots of steps ahead of everyone else. And uh, I was able to manipulate so many things that ended up costing me a lot of years in jail eventually.
0: Um, Is drinking and using at this point still fun for you? Is it still a good time most of the time for you at this point? No. Okay. It's just an
1: obsession, mm. and, and once so it already
0: I, turned at this point on you. It, it turned on me,
1: and I was not having any fun with it anymore. Mm. Um, I had I had to run, so I I wanted to run away and. uh I decided to run away to with some some friends from high school that were moving to the beach, which was only like about thirty minutes away, and so they moved. They asked me if I wanted to go with them, and, and so I didn't have a job at the time, um, but I, I borrowed some money from my, my dad, and I said, "Look, this is better for me just to maybe I get a fresh start." So, I went with these other guys, and uh, they they knew some guy that that used to surf down where we used to go, and had a lot of money so he rented his grandfather rented a real nice condo for us in Laguna Niguel which is uh inland from Laguna Beach um Southern California and and we were living really nice there um but I was the only one that ha- I found a job and I was the only one that was working uh I went back to the grocery business I, I got lucky and I went right back it was a union job so I was able to go right back mm-hmm. in and make a uh, top dollar again as a, as a stock clerk. and so I didn't even have a car the roommate let me borrow one of his cars. And uh, I was the only one that went to work every day. The rest of these guys, they served and they sold weed and coke. Yeah, so I was in a bad situation. Again, uh, eventually, I had one day I just I, I started doing coke and, again lines and I, I was out of my mind um, trying to go to work at night and, and then get off work and, and go someone to someone's house and do coke all day and then go to work. And so, uh, one day, I just drove back to my mom's house in the morning after work, and uh, she was getting ready for work, and I walked in, and I said, Mom, I need to go to rehab or something. I need to go. And uh, and she she said, look, hang out here at the house. When your dad and I get home from work, we'll drop you off, because I had insurance in the grocery business. So, they took me uh, to a 28-day treatment facility called New Beginnings. And I went in there. Um, I just wanted to stop. I really wanted, I didn't know what to do. And so I didn't want to lose my job. And and I went in there and uh, after a, a couple of days, I was like, they, they, it was like Christmas time or something. And, and they were going to take us on a field trip to the mall. So they said, ask your family to bring you $40 so that you can go to the mall and buy some Christmas presents, you know, so I called the guy that I knew that sold Rocks <laughs> and I told him that we play basketball at this time. It was a hospital that it was like by a parking lot outside the parking lot. I said I'm gonna kick the ball like real far down and I'm gonna go get it. If you're there, can you sell me this? And so he did. He was there. I kicked the ball, he sold it to me. I found a way to smoke it in in there and it was one of the worst highs I've ever had in my life. Mm. And uh I was, yeah that was i couldn't believe it that i was in a treatment center first time in a treatment center but that's how strong my addiction was yeah uh, so i i did that and, and i made
0: it through the the 28 days and, and how old are you at this point oh, i'm 22 23 yeah wow. and by the way it's not surprising right in re- in retrospect because as an addict and an alcoholic that's what we do that's 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 how we get by that's how we cope and without real tools and real ways to to live life on life's terms that's what we do right
1: yeah we just uh i just my mind takes over and, and once i started thinking about that situation of being high again i couldn't stop it and mm. so when i when i got out of that Place and I didn't follow up. I didn't work the steps. I didn't do any of the things that they told me to do. I was still not ready, I guess. Uh, my girlfriend says, Let's move away. So we moved two hours north to Santa Barbara without jobs or anything. We ended up, I always get lucky. I got a job like in a week at a cable company. She got a job and we lived two blocks from the beach. And, and for like a year and a half, we lived up there and I was, I, I didn't use um then she, her, her mom moved away to the beach and she's like i want to go back to, to southern california over to orange county so we went and um we got engaged and i i started studying for my real estate license uh, i was in the, i was working grocery store again at night and and i, and I actually passed my test for real estate and I got uh, sponsored to work in, at Century 21 at the time. I was probably 24, almost 25, and, and I was pretty young. I, I was working at night, going to the day, to the office, but then I started uh, I, saw, I started drinking again after work, and uh, eight in the morning, and one day, I just found myself down looking for uh, the areas that I, I recognize as areas that sold drugs and stopped people and found some cocaine. And by this time, I was engaged to be married with, um, with plans. All the plans were being made for the wedding. And uh, next thing I know, I'm lost. I, she came home from work early, and I was smoking it and getting high. And I jumped off the second floor balcony to get away. And she drove to the bank, closed the account. But I, I had been able to get to one branch to take what I could out. And I was on the run for two weeks. Um, living in motels and sometimes not even sleeping for a while. I ended up crashing my car and, and totaling it. And still, I walked away from that and, and, and kept going on until finally I ended up in jail um, again.
0: Wow. So a lot just happened right there. And it's that obsession, right, Ray? I mean, yeah. you start drinking and then the obsession kicks in and yeah. it doesn't stop and it doesn't relent until we no. use, right? Until... Right, right. And so, so you literally got caught by your fiancé at that point, yes?
1: Right.
0: And the thought process isn't, you know, and I can so identify with this, uh, isn't not uh, you know hat in hand? You know, baby, I'm sorry. Baby, I am sorry. No, I'm gonna jump out this damn window. And I'm gonna <laughs> i to make a break for it, and then I'm gonna be on the lam right for two weeks. Mm-hmm. And, yeah. and, uh, and 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 that's just such a uh, a an instructive story about the insanity that surrounds. Our disease.
1: Yes, that's a great way to put it. Insanity, because um, no, no normal person would ever think that that way. The way I was thinking, um, I got I got out of jail and, and, and I got it cleaned up a little bit and got a job down uh, selling timeshare at, at at a resort down in Dana Point, California. And uh, she ended up moving into a as a roommate in a five bedroom house, and she still let me stay there every now and then with her. I couldn't believe that she was even talking to me anymore. Mm. But uh, she, she allowed me to, to stay there and I would go to work. And then one of my bosses there, my manager, I told him that I was in between places. And he says, well, so am I. I'm going to move with my girlfriend and my apartment's available. He wants to stay there for a couple of weeks. So he let me stay there by myself. And I started getting high, drank and got high. And then I started looking around and found his wallet, his checkbook. And I said, well, maybe I can go to the store and write a check. Well, I'm Hispanic. He, he had brown hair, blue eyes, and his name was Jeff. And he had no resemblance to me. But still, I went into the grocery store, bought a bunch of stuff, and wrote the check for $40 over the, the amount. And they gave it to me. <laughs> and, I, and I was in a cab. I didn't even have a car. I had the cab driver waiting so I went to another grocery store and did the same thing. And then I went to another grocery store. And that was my hustle for about two weeks. So I was doing that until one day I had the cab driver drop me off or uh, take me over to go pick up. And when I did that, the cops were watching the spot and they just walked right up to the door after I had bought some stuff. And they told the cab driver to take off and they searched me. They didn't find anything, but they found the motel key on me, and the motel. They went back to the motel and they found my manager's checks and his wallet and all that, and they took me to jail. Oh. I got sixty days only for that, and so I went out. and And after I I got out of there, I just I I I kept running. I was a runner. I I kept running and thinking I was going to be able to to shake this disease. Mm-hmm. So I got on an airplane and I went to Alcapulco, Mexico. Uh, with $200, a suitcase, in, in a California ID to sell timeshare. I ended up over there, and they gave me a housing. I was able to work with this company selling timeshare, and I stayed out there for two years in Acapulco, in Ixtapa, Zihuatanejo, selling timeshare for the Hyatt Regency and Sheraton Resorts. That was madness, too, because I stayed drunk the whole time. There was. So that was another adventure where I all I did was drink, do lines, and didn't sleep very much. So eventually I came back to California, and all the problems that I had when I ran away were still there waiting for me. Mm. I had warrants in three different counties. I had to go take care of all those warrants, and I started realizing, you know, that no matter where I went, I was getting into trouble. and I couldn't shake it, So I couldn't run from myself because I was the problem. But still, I tried it again. And in in uh, 1995, I just took off to Seattle, Washington. And that's where I got into more trouble down. Up there in Washington, uh, right from the very first day I got there, I met somebody on the bus. I was on the Greyhound and met somebody on the bus. that said, oh, we're going to go out fishing and we're going to make some money in these fishing boats. And, and, uh, if, you know, you won't go house on a motel. Well, this guy was a drug addict, too. So we, <laughs> we ended up, in, 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 and I ended up in Seattle um, five months later. I was, I was homeless in Seattle. I, 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 that's the first time I've ever been homeless in my life. And I found myself one night out there with nowhere to go and sleeping on the federal um, building steps. So they give you a mat and a blanket and a sack lunch and then they come at five in the morning and take it away and the liquor store is open at six so it's the never-ending cycle Mm -hmm. i started uh i got involved in selling selling drugs down there in in seattle and five months later i sold to an undercover cop and i went to prison in seattle and i i got this program was like a boot camp program so i was out in four months and I, i i caught another case like very right after that, like a couple of weeks after that, um, which I got 46 months in prison and uh, it did two and a half years on that. And it was like, that. I went to Portland I, I sold heroin. I got a troll over there and got out and they got extradited back to California after all that for uh, some pro- probation violations from earlier in the nineties. And I had to do two years now at this time. I hadn't been back to California in, in such a long time, since 95, and my, my, mom, my mom and dad went to visit me. I was in Chino Prison, and they went to visit me um, the, the week I got there, and then the following week, my mom came by herself, she says, your dad had heart attacks, and he's not going to make it. And so I was in, in Chino Prison, just, I didn't know what to do. I, I was stuck there, and the, that's another place too to be, in. and then to go through this, and uh, somehow my dad pulled through. He came and visited me, and and uh, I I promised you know him that I would change my life, and I got out. I got a job at a moving company, and he supported me, let me stay at his house. But three months later, I started drinking again, and and ended up with uh, some guys from the moving company showing them where they could score. I knew where they could score in in California. So I took them and. They went their way, and I got stuck on the street down there. Uh, but I knew the streets pretty well, so I knew how, how I could hustle and make money and do this. And I ended up being out there for a couple weeks until I went on a violation And it was like there, until 2005. Now, 2004 actually. 2004 is when I I got involved with methamphetamine, and, and uh, I, I didn't really use that stuff. So I started selling it and started making money and and it was a different life. And I was out there in the streets for about eight months. Uh, I remember my mom, she, she saw me out on the and, main drive. And are you
0: homeless at this point? And how old are you?
1: Um, well, at this point, I'm like 35 years old, 30, 36. I'm, I'm out there in the streets living in motels. Sure. You know, um, hustling every day. Sure. And then, and then getting high off of money that I made and, and, and waking up in the morning with a key deposit, you know, Um, my mom saw me out there on the street one day and she pulled over and she begged me to come home. She said, you know, come home. It's 4th of July tomorrow. We'll make a barbecue with that. It's like, no, I'm I'm good out here. Mom, I'm not going home. I'm I'm good out here. And she begged me, she cried. And it just kills me right right now to think about that. She's like, just come home. Your dad's going to barbecue. And I'm like, no, I'm out here. This is right. And so, so one day, um, still 2004 actually, she, um, I went to her house to get some clothes and, and I, I just got, I I got in through the window and she was actually home and I had borrowed a car from somebody like for drugs. And, and I ended up, uh, I see my mom there. She's like, what are you doing here? And I said, mom, I just need to get some stuff, some clothes. And she's like, why did you come into the window? And, this, and then whose car is that? And I said, well, I borrowed it. And she goes, no, you know what, Ray, you stole it. As far as I'm concerned, I'm calling the cops. You stole it. You need to go. And so I'm like, no, no, no. I, I probably you I borrowed it. I didn't steal it. And so now she, she said, your parole officer needs to know. They've been looking for you for a long time. And so I took off. I got in the car. I took off. I didn't even get it like half a mile before I was surrounded by by cops. And, and so they lay down like you're going to fly. And they arrested me. And off I went. Another. That's another time that I really, really felt a lot of hate. You know, because that wasn't in the plan that I had for the day, and my my plan was to survive the 24 hours down the streets, and uh, but I was never able to stop until I had those handcuffs on, and so I went to jail. I did a nine month parole violation. I got out, and I started selling meth, and I was doing I was selling the meth like it was doing doing. I thought I was doing great. You know, but one day, I, in October 2nd, 2005, um, I had, a, somebody called me that they had money they owed me and I was up in the motel room at like six in the morning with some girl and uh, and they called me and said, hey, I got your money. You got some more? I went downstairs. I said, yeah, I got in the BMW. The guy, I said, hey, can you take me to get something to eat real quick at the corner? And he did. Um, I, I, had just all, I take, I took extra stuff with me just in case he had some, some, some girls somewhere. So I had, I loaded it up. I had you know, all kinds of meth and weed and, and, uh, and he dropped me off in front of the motel. And when he dropped me off, he was, oh shit, the cops are behind us. Well, at that time I was bald headed. He was bald headed. Hispanics in a, in a BMW at like seven in the morning in front of the motel six. So the L.A. County Sheriff's was right behind us, and I had like my food in my hand. The cop says, put the food on the hood and uh, show me your ID. So he, I, I didn't have my ID with me. He searched me, found all the drugs, and that was the last time that I ever used or drank. October 2nd, 2000, 2005, um, I I got sentenced uh, two days later for possession for sales um, in L.A. County, and I got five years. um, I had to do 80% of the five years.
0: Wow. So you had to do four out of those five years. And, you know, listening to your story up to this point is really two things pop out, right? Number one, what you said is so very true for so many of us, no matter how far, how fast, and where we run to we're always there and when we're the problem running doesn't work right doesn't work no and the only time you stopped was when you got cuffed right
1: yes sir
0: and boy i gotta tell you i can relate with that (laughs) i can relate brother with this this idea that if boy, if I go here, I do this, or I I move here, or I only drink instead of the right? And it's insanity. It's pure, 100% adulterated insanity. And the reality is our consequences catch up with us.
1: Oh, my goodness. Do they ever.
0: And so the Uh, chickens are coming home to roost here, man, right? Four out of five years?
1: Yeah, four four out of five. um, The judge told me, That if uh, I get caught doing selling drugs again or possession, my next uh, sentence will be fourteen years. Oh man! And so at this point, I'm thirty nine years old. I I've never been married that I know of because in Mexico, you know, I I was in clubs there. (laughs) I don't remember too much about that. I don't have any kids that I know of. Uh, At this point, I don't have anything really. And I'm thirty nine years old, and I'm on my way to do it four out of five. So uh, fortunately I got to go to fire camp, which is an option for uh, people that don't have any violence on their records and you fight fires for the state of California. Uh, you know, you're, they put, they put you in a, in a fire camp, a hundred man fire camp, and uh, you do parks, you clean parks and build dams or whatever, whenever you're not going to fire. But when fire season hits, you get paid a dollar an hour on a fire, you're on the front lines. 24 hours on the mountain, come back down, rest 24, go back to the big fires for a couple, three weeks at a time. So uh, I did that. I was up in Santa Cruz. Um, and then uh, at the fire camp, But before you do that, you have to go to the main prison in, in, in Susanville, uh, California, which is uh, not a really nice place. It's huge. It's full of riots and things like that. And mm. finally I got out of there and then went to, to the fire camp. I learned how to do some water treatment over there. Also a couple years after I was a firefighter, Um, a couple years into it, I went and and learned how to do some water treatment to do potable water and, and uh, wastewater for the camp. Uh, At that point I started, I was, I was going to meetings in in the camp. I started to to, to outline a plan because when I got arrested in 2005, Charlie, I I told myself, something has to change today. I'm Mm -hmm. going away. I don't have anything. I may not ever see my parents again. I I didn't live a a fruitful life. So what can I do today to get better or different results tomorrow? Because, you know, the saying, if you keep trying to get different results Mm from doing the same thing, it's insanity. So at that point, I decided that was my gift of desperation at that time, because I've never had to do so much time. And then I was only getting older. And I've seen people in prison. They don't have anyone when they get older because everyone just cut ties with them because you're a total loss. Yeah, and uh, I didn't want to be in that situation, so I started making a plan. You know, what am I going to do when I
0: get out? So I and have- that gift of desperation, Ray, gave you that 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 gift of willingness, right? Yeah. True willingness to start doing whatever it takes to start getting better, right?
1: Right i i i had motivation that was the leverage that i needed at the time so I, I i every day was like okay i remember when i first started i'm like my release date was september 28 2009 and i'm i'm in october 2005 i'm like wow what am i going to do here well i'm not going to to um get, get down on myself and, and, th- and make a positive out of a negative. And so I started to plan. I, once I got in, and, and plus I was building a bank account because over the years, I mean, I, I left that place to like over $4,000.
0: Wow. At a dollar an hour. <laughs> <laughs> a dollar now because they pay you. So,
1: so if we're like working out there in parks or whatever. And they call a fire in San Diego from the time they call the fire. Um, until the time you, you get back from that buyer two weeks later, you're getting paid $24 a day. So um, it added up and it, I spent a lot of money in there, you know, buying um, the commissary stuff and, and packages and things, but I still had over 4,000 when I was getting close to leaving. I, I started researching uh, sober living homes mm. because I wanted to put myself in, in an uncomfortable structured environment from the gate. So I I, I contacted them. I wrote a bunch of letters to different ones, and I found one that was that was going to work for me. It was coed, uh, thirty uh, people in a house, uh, six hundred dollars a month, but for one bed, just for your bed. Wow! So when I got out, I finally got out into um, September 28, two thousand nine. I took a plane from a uh, flight from where I was to San Francisco, and I had a. Like an 11 hour layover. So I'm waiting there. It's Monday night football. I have money and I'm just sitting there waiting. And then I see, I want to see the football game. I'm a Dallas Cowboy fan ever since I was a kid. They were playing. But to, to go inside, I mean, they had these gigantic beers they were selling.
0: I'll yeah, right.
1: I can buy a beer and who's going to know? You know? By the time I get back to um, LA. But by the
0: way, Ray. God dang it, isn't that just such an addict and alcoholic, and I can't even count how many times that thought has gone through my brain. Who's going to know? Who, know?
1: Who's going to know? know? Who's going to know? And so I, I said, you know, I'm going to know because I've been down this road before, and I've been down this road so many times, and I didn't do all these years for nothing. And so I didn't. I didn't buy the beer, and I got on the plane. My parents picked me up in Ontario Airport, Uh, I spent the evening catching up with them. My dad's feeling great about the whole thing. My my mom and dad are old now. All these years pass by. They're saying, well, hopefully, you know, you'll get your life together this time. Same, same spiel. My dad's all, it looks like you're going to do good. You're welcome to stay here as long as you need to. I'm thinking in my head, no, dad, no, that's not what I want to hear from you. Right. I don't want to hear that from you. And I said, you know, that I appreciate it. I really do. However, it, I know from my past experiences that when you, you let me stay in your house, I ended up, I ended up getting really relaxed. I, I don't follow through with my plans. And the next thing I know, I'm off to the races. I've already made arrangements tomorrow morning. Um, if you could please drop me off at this address. It's going to cost $600 a month. I'll be there for at least three months. And, and uh, until I can find my own place, or however long it takes, and they're all, "Are you sure you want to spend?" It? I'm. Uh, I'm absolutely sure. I I have the money. I'm going to do it. So I went and paid. He took me, and I went there, and I hated. I hated just getting there because it was structured. I, it was it was a bunch of people living, and it's like five people in a bedroom, and their garage was turned into like a day room with refrigerators and lockers, and, and all these people just. And I was like, well. I just came out of a prison setting, so um, I can do this, and and my motivation was there. That was the leverage I needed to, to make it out. I was out of that house at six o'clock every day. I already had done my chores, and and I was on a, on a bus going to a resource center to to use their fax machine and their computers and their phone. And I spent the better part of a day there, like a full time job, looking for work. I I I finally found a job that uh, I applied for. Customer service and the owner interviewed me and he said, Look, I don't know why your resume is missing all these years and things, but um, I don't really care. I, I, but I can't if you can do a good job for me, I can give you an opportunity, but I can't put you in customer service. You're going to be out there in production for packaging chili peppers for In and Out Burger. And I said, Well, that's not what I he goes, that doesn't matter. He goes, If you want an opportunity, I can give you opportunities eight dollars and 25 cents an hour. And then I said, for how long it was, however long it takes. And I said, all right, I'll take it. And so I stayed with that company for 10 years. Wow. Um, I worked my way up from packaging peppers for In-N-Out Burger through quality control, production planning, uh, quality control supervisor. And then there was an opportunity to, um, to be the quality supervisor in, in, in Texas. And they chose me and I volunteered. I met my wife at work in 2012. Um, But I did skip over a very important part there. Um, When I first got out in 2009, I went to meetings. I went Mm. to meetings because it was not only because it was part of my uh, requirements in the sober living home, but because I knew that's what I had to do. I had to be around uh, the types that that type of a structure, and I needed to get what other people had. The only thing that I (laughs) I made a mistake and got involved with someone at a meeting like a month into it. And, uh, she became pregnant and then she had her own issues and she had to go away to a program. And at this point I, I, I was going to be a dad and right, right coming back. I mean, from, from being locked up for four years and, mm. and she, and I got involved with somebody who had a, a very bad alcoholic problem. And so, um, she went away and she kept drinking through the pregnancy and, and I, uh, I became a single dad when my daughter was two years old
0: wow and, yeah
1: and, and 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 I kept ever since then you know I've had her so uh, I met my wife at work in two thousand and twelve this happened in two thousand ten, so in two thousand and twelve, I met my wife at work and uh and we moved on and got married in two thousand fourteen
0: and you had started ready to go to twelve step meetings while you were in fire camp, yeah.
1: Right, right. I did and
0: that, and, and that gave you that introduction. And it really sounds like God. It really sounds like Ray that there's another power at work here, right? That that this dramatic change in the trajectory and the decisions that you're making there, there's another power at work here, right?
1: Absolutely. That's that's the the higher power that you call God. It, it that's the only way that all this have happened because I I couldn't do it before I, I, I wanted to I, mean, I really wanted to but it, I was so weak and I didn't I didn't try to um, do things that other people have done that have worked for them I wanted to do it my way mm-hmm. and I always thought well I, I got this yeah, I, I can figure it out I'm smarter I can figure this out mm-hmm. but until I had time to to clear my head in my, all right, absolutely. This is the way it's going to have to happen. You can't do it like that. I'm going to help you. (laughs) So you're going to go lay down for four years, but I didn't really lay down because I was fighting fire. But, um, when I finished all that, I was, I had, uh, a lot more of a clearer mind than, than I ever had in my life. And to be a, 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 single dad, after not having any kids ever, any responsibilities, but me, uh, for the, for the first year and a half of her life changed. I mean, it gave me so much more motivation, Mm. more leverage. And I kept going to to my 12-step meetings. Uh, I worked the steps. I had a great sponsor. I was able to dig deep and find out that a lot of the reason behind it was um, that I was never really happy with myself always wanted more i was never satisfied with what i had growing up i always wanted more and more and and i wanted and and that's a lot of the problems with that that were caused were because of the way i i would look at things
0: and And that's through that inventory process and that's really uh, so much of the magic of the 12 steps is as we talked about this higher power that we start forming a relationship with and starts to be able to start to power our lives in a way that we've never experienced before and in a direction we've never experienced before. But now we're starting to do some really important work around inventory and understanding the motives behind our actions and then learning to realign those motives to, Align with a higher power. Yeah?
1: Absolutely. And once you feel aligned, uh, if you will, you, things start happening. Mm. You start to get like things back and things mm. start happening. And I was amazed at how things just started falling into place. And now I have more stability. I'm getting like promoted in my job. Like regularly I'm just moving up I I really I felt awesome I was able to to be there for the people that needed me to be there Uh, and my mom and dad were able to see this change in me that this time even my brother and sister who pretty much had given up on me because I had used my brother's name quite often um, just to throw the cops off and (laughs) it it, it worked I mean it worked so many times that I I just like wow It's so easy. One time I remember uh, I got busted for something and and I was in jail. I called my dad and I said, dad, you know, I gave my brother's name. I said, Chris, uh, I was at a party and they got me for being drunk or something. Can you come get me out? And he thought it was my brother because we sound pretty much the same. Mm. And my dad went and bailed me out, thinking it was my brother. And when I was getting to the door to get released, he saw me. He's like, wanted to push me back. In. <laughs> but uh, he's like, no, I don't want you. And so so um, because I use my brother's name so much, uh, he had complications, which caused a big problem in my life. Um, these are grenades that are thrown into the future that mm-hmm. blow up and you know when things mm-hmm. are going good so mm-hmm. i'm i'm doing I'm, I'm doing good now i haven't you know been involved in this is like 2012 uh my brother calls me up one day and says all these he's going off of me fucking asshole This that and the other because you, you use my name um i can't get my passport because they think that you it's me and all this stuff and uh Apparently, you have some stuff in Washington that you never resolved. And I, we are my girlfriend and I already made plans to go to China we, or Germany, wherever they're going. And they, we paid all this money. And now uh, I can't get my passport. I got held up in customs or something. And so it, 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 it was terrible because I had not been hired drunk or in jail for years now. Mm-hmm. And, and, and still, all these things are happening. So um, he didn't talk to me for a while and eventually I told, you know, I, I, I moved to Texas and, and uh, just uh, a year now, two years ago, uh, I was I became the, the manager of the company that I started at at $8 an hour. I became the operations manager in Texas and I'm running the whole place here in Texas and, and which is pretty, pretty uh, amazing for somebody that used to get high behind the trash can before. <laughs> You know, I was back there behind the dumpsters with everyone else, smoking that stuff, and even passing out back there. And 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 I find myself running a, a company um, by the grace of God. So I have a family, bought a house, and everything. But my I'm, 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 it was almost Fourth of July. But
0: by like, the way, that reminds me. No matter how far down the scale we have gone, right? Yeah. Right. No
1: matter how far. Yeah. It's it's pretty crazy because when you're in jail and you and, and you get a bunk, you know, it y- doesn't matter. I mean, the, you may have the, the drug addict on the top bucket and the drug dealer that made all that money on the bottom. Bunk. <laughs> we all end up in the same place. Hmm. But, uh, so anyways, back in Texas here, a couple of years ago, I was, uh, I had told my, my team there at, at, at work that I was going to the store, to buy some ice cream before the holiday. And I was took off to go to Costco and, I was speeding. I think 10 miles over the speed limit. I got stopped. <laughs> the cop pulls me over. He, he says, uh, hold on. Just let me check stuff. I haven't been in trouble since 2009. It's 2018. Yeah. And he tells me you have a warrant in Washington State. No way. And so I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, it's a, it's a, a Nobel warrant for uh, I didn't report or something. Like what? I got out of prison in in, in 2009. They checked everything. He said, I'm sorry, you have, we have to take you in, and so they extradited me back to Washington. And uh, I went back there and and, and went to a, a a holding jail for a parole hearing. And uh, for, it took me a week to see the parole board, and and, and finally I I let them talk to my my dad, my boss, and uh, and my mom and. And and then the parole, they said, you still owe us 86 days in Washington. (laughs) Like, well, this, you know, I didn't know that. I got released so many times from jail and never came up. We changed our guidelines and um, you needed to finish this program or something. So long story short, uh, the guy says, well, let me think about it. Go back to your cell and I'll let you know in a half hour. Made me wait, bring me back in. And he says, you know, you've done a really great job with your life lately um, since 2000. This was from 2001. Since two thousand and one, uh, and and to send you back to jail would just do you more harm, and so um, we commend you on your progress, and, and you're free to go. So now I'm in Washington. I had to get back to Texas, and it uh, took me about four days to get back because I had to report to some parole officer up there before I left. But that was the last. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I never expected wow. it to have to do again, and I still have my job.
0: Um, wow, you were stared at ninety days.
1: I, I was I was frightened because I was going to lose my job, I, right. my bills, I have things now, you know, before I didn't have anything. So it didn't matter. Right. I have family. I have all these things. I have a, a whole business that, that relies on me to be there. And, and uh, fortunately my job, they, they, they worked with me and, uh, and everything worked out. So, and uh, isn't
0: that something though, when we're doing the next right thing and we're living according to different principles and we've got a new power in our lives what can happen? Even when we step on those landmines that we laid years and years and years ago,
1: right? Yeah, that, that's terrible right there. Those landmines, I know there's still, there.
0: <laughs> there's still a few out there. There's still a few out there. And
1: uh, I, I have, um, I remember uh, as, when I was working the steps that I had um, written down what the possible triggers would be for me and uh, how I would deal with them. And when my mom passed away uh, last February, that's a heavy one because she had caught me so many times getting high in her house and fighting me for the pipe. And, 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 and all, she's just so involved in my addiction. She, she wants, she was the strong one. And uh, I knew that I, I, to use again to drink again would only destroy everything that I built. And I just, couldn't do it. I had to call people. I had to to do anything but let that thought go. In my head. And and after all these years, I mean, you st- I still have drug dreams. I still have all that stuff happening after all these years. So um, it it's always a fight. But I'm in a lot better place today than I was uh, a long time ago. And uh, no matter how bad it gets, like everyone else says, I, I truly believe no matter how bad it gets, it'll never get as bad as it was. Oh it man. <laughs>
0: I'll tell you. Tell me, Ray, if you could offer one piece of wisdom that you've picked up along the way through your now nearly 15 years of continuous sobriety, what would that be?
1: Don't give up. Don't ever give up. There's there's hope. There's hope because... you as long as you have the desire and and you you have the desire to change and you really have the willingness, there's hope. And if you're not strong enough, find somebody that has done it and do exactly what they did and and hang out with those types of people because if you continue to hang out in the same situations, you're going to continue to to get the
0: same results. If you keep doing – what you've always done, you're always going to get what you've always gotten, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, but there is
1: hope because I, I I, am living proof of that. If if I could come from behind a dumpster and walk in the streets out there in all hours of the night, I putting myself in so many risky situations with guns pointing to my head and, and people hitting me in the head with bottles, trying to take my money and all all those things that I put myself into, homeless on the streets in Seattle and to end up where I'm at today, um, it's awesome. It's awesome, it's it's, uh, unbelievable really because to the average person it would be unbelievable but this is where I was meant to be and whoever's suffering right now, you have somewhere that you're meant to be too, that's a positive place. Um, As long as you stay, focused um it's possible there's there's always hope and there's so many so many uh, different opportunities to to get um some some type of uh support there's a lot of different opportunities and places so um when I like when I when I returned from from my four years I I I went and and I, I reached out to different organizations I was able to get uh, a driver license his back. I was I was able to get a, a checking account. I, I all these things that I didn't think were going to be possible. There, there's uh, there's resources out there that'll help. You just have to do, to do the footwork and or or, or find somebody that can help uh, help you find those resources. But the key is never to give up because as long as you're above ground, there's hope.
0: We convince ourselves at some point down the line in the middle of our disease and in the middle of our insanity that a regular life, a good life isn't for us, isn't achievable for us, isn't attainable. We convince ourselves of that and we, we believe it that that's for other people, but not for us. And that reality is that's a lie.
1: Oh, it's a lie. I remember, I remember walking the streets in the morning, like, um, after being out getting high all night and and it's always like you'd be in a motel getting high until your stuff ran out and then you got to go yeah <laughs> you know you got to go all of a sudden you got to go oh you know so now i have to go And i, I remember what like sunday mornings, saturday mornings uh and seeing people families going out to breakfast and 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 people like i'd be waiting in front of the Seven Eleven for six o'clock to open so those those beer uh Freezers or refrigerators could open up, and and I remember people on their way to work stopping to get their coffee, and they're doing their life. And I'm, all, you know, please God, let me get to this point. I need to get to this point. This is where I want to go. This is where I'm supposed to be. I'm not supposed to be here wasting my life uh, until I got that beer, and then it was on. <laughs> so I, I wouldn't give myself a chance, right? Because if you keep putting this stuff in your body, you're you're not giving yourself the opportunity to change.
0: And that, my friend, is the first step, right? If we keep putting that stuff in our bodies, we have no opportunity to change at all because the obsession kicks in and then I can't stop, right? I can't stop. My allergy kicks in at that point, right? And there's no telling when I'm going to stop, right? You fancy yourself to become a recovery podcaster. And I think that is absolutely true. You have, my friend, a tremendously inspiring story. Mm-hmm. And I I really believe that the power of your story and what you have been able to gain as a result of that experience so much of it so hard fought and hard-earned man that experience is hard-earned experience can really help people can really make a difference for people and so i want to help you do that and so i really i really mm-hmm. I, I i'm here for you there man because uh, this world needs more voices that can inspire folks to believe they too can change they too can get better they too can recover
1: absolutely I, I i believe that i i went through all this for a reason there's there's definitely a reason why and uh, i'm not just going to let it go i want i want to help i want to get back because i have i have so much um desire to help people change their lives and let them know that it's possible
0: in fact it is and you are living proof ray ray thank you so much for taking time yet yet again thank you for i really appreciate it yeah yeah it was it was great it was really great and one of the things that uh, i mean i always learn just a just a ton and i always reconnect just a ton, and I always re- remember and and recall parts of my story, because my story is in your story, right? And it's such an inspiration, right? Thank you so much for taking time to be on the Way Out podcast. I can't wait to start hearing you out on the radio waves as they were because I think it's going to be great and I'm here to help you do that. So thank you so much, Ray. And thank you, everybody, in Way Out podcast land. We will talk to you next time. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye. Thank you for being a part of The Way Out. We appreciate your ears. We're sharing powerful recovery stories and recovery power topics every week. So keep listening up. If you would like to reach out to the show, you can visit us on the web at wayoutcast.com. That's wayoutcast, all one word, dot com. There you can subscribe to the Way Out podcast on all of the major podcast aggregators, such as iTunes, CastBox, Stitcher, TuneIn, Podbean, Overcast, and more. Or simply drop your hosts a friendly email at share.com at wayoutcast.com. If you or someone you know would like to be a guest on the show, contact us at share at wayoutcast.com. See you next time. And remember, if you don't change, your sobriety date will.